0: Good evening, everyone, and welcome to episode five of the Take It or Leave It podcast. I'm your host, J-Rod, and once again, I am very excited to welcome all of you back for the fifth installment of the Take It or Leave It podcast. Uh, Last year, when I was on the podcast scene, I did four episodes, and this year I have surpassed that, and I am now on my fifth one, which is very exciting. I kind of slacked off last year, but I am determined to keep the podcasts coming, and we're on our fifth one already. So I'm very excited about that. As usual, want to go over a few ground rules before we begin. You guys are more than welcome to call in. We have a lot of things that we are going to discuss tonight in the NBA world, in the basketball world, in the football world as well. So there's going to be a lot of things for us to talk about. You guys can feel free to call in. To share your takes and chime in, the number is 646-564-9820. That's 646-564-9820. As I mentioned to you guys last week, my uh, podcast is officially up on iTunes. It is doing great. Every single week, the the, um, numbers are going more and more up, so thanks to you guys. I want to say thank you. I truly appreciate it. You guys are the reason why all of this is happening. So I just want to take time out to thank you at the same time. You guys can follow my podcast on iTunes, subscribe. Every time a podcast is put up, you'll be able to download it directly to your phone. You can search the podcast, undertake it or leave it, and you will see the logo there with the show as well. If you subscribe to that, you'd be able to download the podcast straight to your phone. So if you guys can do that, i really appreciate it. It's very easy to access it directly from your iPhone, which is pretty neat. There are only two rules that we must go over as we do every single week. The first rule is that we refrain from using profanity. This is a clean show. It's clean on iTunes. It's clean across the board, and I would like to keep it that way. So if we can keep that in mind when we're calling in and sharing our thoughts... It would be greatly appreciated. Secondly, is that we always remain respectful. I respect you, you respect me, and we'll have a good time, as always. You guys have been amazing and supportive. It's always fun to talk sports with you guys, so we're going to start it off. There's a lot of things that I like to talk about this week, from the NBA Summer League to Lonzo Ball, who's been the talk of the town, as well as to some NBA free agency Um, acquisitions that certain teams have made in the NBA world. um, The Knicks finally got a GM in Scott Perry, as well as baseball. We'll be discussing some trades that have already been made, even though the trade deadline is approximately two weeks away. There are certain teams who are diving in right away. They're making trades right now, and it's definitely putting um, some hot air down the rest of the team's backs to make a move as well. So we'll talk about the Jose Quintana trade going right across town from the White Sox to the Chicago Cubs, as well as Yankee Talk. Fresh off the All-Star break, which was last week, they had a four-game um, four-game matchup against the Red Sox. So we'll be discussing that as well, some trades that they themselves have made, and we'll all talk about some NFL things, some small things. About the Pats, there's some talk about them going 19-0. A player from the Pats had something to say about that, so we'll discuss that. As well as the Connor versus Floyd fight, there's going to be a lot of talk about that as well. As the, flight, as the fight is quickly approaching on August 26th, which is approximately a month and some change. So we'll get right into it, and we'll start off with the NBA Summer League. Lonzo Ball has been the talk of the town, mostly in part to his dad. Everything his dad has done has worked up until this point to get the hype to be around his son. They're selling out summer league games. They're doing a lot of big things out there. So shout out to the ball family, Triple Bs. Um LeVar Ball has definitely has definitely been right in his in his ways to try to get everyone to talk about his son. Lonzo Ball has also backed it up in his play, leading his team to the NBA Summer League Finals. He, unfortunately, tonight, it's actually at 10 o'clock, will not be playing in that game. Uh, I believe he has a sore calf or a sore hamstring or something of the sort. Um, but they've played him a lot, so it makes sense. You want to reserve him, um, let him get some rest. It's not like it's an M- NBA Finals game. So that's definitely understandable why he is not playing tonight although we would have liked to see him, but he did lead his team or helped to lead his team to the Summer League Championship game, which will be played tonight again at 10 o'clock on ESPN against the Portland Trail Blazers. In his Summer League games, he has averaged 16 points per game, 7.7 rebounds per game, and 9 assists per game. He's had a, a few triple doubles as well. Um, his shooting, though, has not been great. from the field, 20% from three and 76% from the free throw line. So there's a lot of question marks there, but there is no doubt that the kid can play. He can pass the ball. His IQ is extremely, extremely high and he'll definitely be a good fit for the Laker team. Now, He played up against uh, Dennis Smith Jr. from the Mavericks in the semifinals. Lonzo's stat line was 16 points, 4 assists, and 10... I'm sorry, 16 points, 4 rebounds, and 10 assists. And Dennis Smith Jr.'s stat line was 21 points, uh, 3 assists, and 6 rebounds. So they went back-to-back, head-to-head, and it was a good matchup to watch. Although I have to give the upper hand to Lonzo. He did kind of give Dennis Smith Jr. the business, but... Unfortunately for Dennis Smith, it was only a summer league game, but it was definitely fun to watch. This is the most exciting summer league that I can recall over the past few years. So like myself and a lot of my friends, we've all tuned in to see what the hype is about. And they have not let down these young guards that have come in and will eventually take over the league within the next few years. So it's definitely been exciting stuff to watch, but that was a semi-final matchup against the Mavs. The Lakers advanced Now, there's been a lot of talk about Lonzo Ball. And I know it's a very sensitive and touchy subject because people are either pro-Lonzo Ball or they're anti-Lonzo Ball. I am neither. The reason why is because I have no reason to be for him and I have no reason to be against him. Lonzo Ball has not played an NBA game yet. He has not stepped on the NBA floor against Elite competition. He has great stats in the Summer League, yes. But we must remember to look at that very, very carefully and take it with a grain of salt. Whatever stats we see, whatever we deem to be great, let's take that with a grain of salt because it's only Summer League. Now, there are a few things that we can take away from it, though. One is that Lonzo Ball is an elite passer. That is without a question. Again, his basketball IQ is extremely high. He can see the court from the moment he gets a rebound until the opposite end. He always keeps his head up. He has a very unique style of play. That's the good. The bad is that he's not a great shooter. Again, there's a summer league stats, so you take it with a grain of salt. But based upon what we've seen, from the field, 20% from three. Now imagine that in the NBA. What would those stats translate to? Only time will tell. For sure, only time will tell. However, Lonzo Ball is a very unique player. He understands space. He has a desire to get his teammates involved and get them easy buckets. And life clean looks. But again, his shooting has not been great. We've seen air balls. We've seen bricks. So we must remember what we're watching. This doesn't mean that he'll be bad. And it doesn't mean that he'll be good. We'll just simply have to wait and see. But I've heard comparisons of, oh, this guy's going to be the next Jason Kidd. Oh, Lonzo Ball's going to win rookie of the year. And we're basing this off of what? Summer league? College? He hasn't stepped foot on the NBA floor yet. We want Lonzo to do well. We want Lonzo to succeed. But we can't say for sure yet what that success will actually be. We must wait. So everyone kind of has to pump the brakes a bit. He's definitely a marketable guy. Again, LeVar Ball has definitely done his job. They're selling out Summer League games. LeBron James is showing up to see this kid play. If so LeBron James, the best basketball player right now in the league, is showing up, taking time out of his summer to see a Summer League game, that says a lot. So, as of right now, we can't say whether it's all hype. We can't, we can't say whether this will actually come to fruition and he'll be as good as everyone thinks that he will be. I think Lonzo will be good. I think he'll be a good passer. I think he'll be a good leader. Do I think he'll be a top guard in the whole league? I'm not sure yet. I can't say that. I can only go based upon what I've seen. I'm giving him the benefit of the doubt because clearly his shot is not that great. But that doesn't mean that his shot won't improve. It can improve for sure. But again, we have to wait and actually see what the kid becomes. Now, in regards to his team, the Lakers over the past four years have uncharacteristically been a losing team. We all know that. Kobe, let's call it what it is, he single-handedly handcuffed that team. And they've been trying to gain their ground ever since. And this was lightning in a bottle with Lonzo Ball. Because Lonzo Ball is a guy that can turn the franchise around. His style of play fits this league. This is a guards league. And you can actually build around Lonzo Ball. He's the alpha dog. He can be the alpha dog for your team, especially for a team that has been losing. The good thing now is, now we know what type of team that the Lakers can be. They have an identity now. He is that unique of a player that the identity of the team can be determined by a single player who constantly has the ball in his hands. That's Lonzo Ball's job. As I mentioned before, he desires for his teammates to have clean looks. He understands space, which is very, very, very big now. You have to be able to do that. There have been summer league games, too. There are things he has to work on as well. Again, we're not expecting a LeBron James to come fresh out of high school and be the man. And LeBron James had his woes, too. He had things that he had to work on, still things that he's working on now. Lonzo Ball, over the past few games that I've watched, he's having a difficult time collapsing the defense. He seems a bit bothered that he can't drive and kick. He's gotten caught up in the air a few times as well. A reason for this as well is his strength. He's not there yet. He's a bit frail now, but I no doubt expect him to get his weight up. I no doubt expect him to put in the work to get bigger so he can withstand NBA guards and NBA bigs who will try to knock him on his behind when they set screens. I've seen these things from him, but every player has certain things that they have to work on. And for all of you Lonzo fans who are on him right now, let's pump the brakes a bit and understand what we are watching. Let's take the good with the good, the bad with the bad, and look ahead to the future to see what this Lakers team can actually be. It's exciting. When the Lakers are good, when the purple and gold is thriving, the entire league thrives. That's just basic facts. There are tougher times ahead of Lonzo Ball, but the good news is that the Lakers' woes are behind them. I am confident in that, that the Lakers' woes are finally behind them. All those years of losing, I believe, are done. Of course, they're not there yet, but this is a good first step. This is a stepping stone. So let's not get too excited. There's a lot that Lonzo has to actually prove. And let's not forget either, he's going to be a target on the floor. Once he steps on the NBA floor, there are players in this league who will target him. How do you think Steph felt when his dad came out and said that his son, who didn't play an NBA game, was better than the reigning MVP? You think Steph's just going to bypass that and brush that off? Of course not. These guys are competitors. They compete. Oh, you think that? All right, let me show you something. We see it in the street. We see it in high school ball. Any level of basketball, that's what we see. And like I said, he's a little bit frail. So it won't be as easy as people will think. Great passer, yes, elite, but he has a lot to prove. So we all kind of just have to have the wait-and-see mindset, and we will hope for the best for Lonzo Ball. We really do. Now, another big talk, another big conversation that's been happening around the summer league has been Lonzo Ball's foot apparel. I know it's pretty weird to say that, but it's true. And the reason being is because Lonzo Ball is an NBA shoe free agent. He is free to wear whatever shoe he feels like wearing, be it Nike, whatever shoe he wants to wear, Curry's. He can wear it because he is not signed to a sneaker deal. He has his own sneaker deal with his own brand. And again, This is, shout out to LeVar Ball, as much as it pains me to say that. His dad has caused this. That was a great marketing scheme that his dad has done. Now, just to set it off a little bit here, LeVar Ball wanted a billion dollar sneaker deal. When he met to meet with the big wigs, Nike, UA, the Three Stripes, he went up in there saying, I want a billion-dollar deal for all three of my sons, and I want your company to sub-license Big Baller Brand. Now, those are some big demands right there. A billion-dollar deal, one is unheard of for a guy coming fresh out of college. That's one. And then for them to sponsor all three of your sons, where only one is in the NBA now, Nobody will take that risk. And then you want them to sub-license your own brand? I mean, you you really... I mean, yeah, of course, you got to reach for the stars at that point, which I understand. But it's not a surprise to no one why all these big wigs turned them down. Let's not forget, too, that Big Baller brand is dependent on Lonzo being really good. The second son, Leangelo. According to scouts, he won't be that good. He may not even make the NBA. He's in college next year, and everybody will be watching him. But as it stands right now, he's not that good. Melo, which is the third son, he's supposed to be better. But he's far too young. He's only 15. So only time will tell what he can become as well. But when you're asking a big sneaker, when, when you're asking for a big sneaker deal, For all three of your sons, everyone will say no. Nobody will invest a billion dollars in you. No one. Now, to put this into a bit of perspective for you, LeBron James, who's the greatest basketball player right now, he has a lifetime deal with Nike. It's unknown the specifics of this deal, but it is estimated that within the next 12 years... LeBron James will be making a billion dollars from his sneaker deal, not including his NBA contract, just his sneaker deal with Nike. LeBron James, the greatest basketball player, 12 years, billion dollars. Let's think about that. And let's think about the demands that LeVar Boyle was making. Now, it's gotten to a point where I think what has happened is LeVar has realized that he can't make those strides on his own. He needs the backing of a big company. So having Lonzo wear different shoes every night, now you're creating a bidding war between these big wigs. He wore his own shoe, I think, the first two games. He wore Curry's. He wore Jordan 31's. So he's trying to tease him a little bit, and he's playing well. So when you're playing well and the brand is seeing you in their own shoe, they're like, wow, we need to get this guy. So it makes sense now why I feel they're kind of backing off their stance a bit. Because before it was like, oh, we can do it by ourselves. We don't need these big wigs. We can be big baller brand, and this is going to be the best brand, and we'll be able to do whatever we feel like doing until reality set in. LeBron has, I mean, sorry, Lonzo has done his thing. But again, it's only Summer League. So even now, these brands will not jump on board just yet if the demands are as high as what they are. As the season progresses, and LeBron, I mean, I keep saying, sorry, and Lonzo plays well, LeVar might bring his price down. And if he brings his price down, then they could reach that deal. But it's dependent on a few things. Lonzo has to play well. LeVar Ball has to bring his price down. LeVar Ball also cannot ask for all three of his sons to be on that deal. That doesn't make sense. Only an NBA player gets that deal. Imagine if LeBron James came in and said, you know what, Um, I'll sign this deal, but I need you to also give a deal to four of my guys who are on my high school team. We went to the state chip, we did this, we did that. Hell, they even made a movie from us. Give them a deal too. Why? You can't just ask for things that have no basis for you asking them for it. His two other sons have done nothing. If they're that good, their time will come. To sub-license big baller brand, Lonzo would have to prove his worth. Jordan is under Nike now. Jordan was with Nike at first. And then he created his own brand, and he became underneath Nike. And this is Michael Jordan. So you're basically asking for Nike to sub-license the big baller brand when Lonzo Ball has shown us nothing. How can that be possible? I understand. When you go to meet with them, the expectations have to be high. The demands you make have to be high. I get it. But you have to be realistic at the same time. And I think now is when that reality is setting in. It was reported that Nike offered Lonzo Ball a deal between 12 and $13 million a year. And Lonzo and his dad turned it down. I'm not saying Lonzo won't be good. But if he doesn't become a star, if he doesn't become a LeBron James, if he doesn't become an MJ, he would have lost out on $12, $13 mil each year. He's making $5 million now. You're talking about $17 million as a rookie. Will it be a mistake? We don't know. We also don't know the type of career that he would have. So like the career that he would have, as well as his shoe deal, and the choices that the family has made, we have to put it on hold. And all that talk remains to be seen. We don't know yet. We have to wait. We'll find out soon enough, though. Just a reminder to everybody, you can call in to the show. The number is 646-564-9820. I want to hear your guys' thoughts, Lonzo Ball. I've heard a lot of talks, a lot of stuff in group chats and IG and Facebook and the whole nine. Talk to me. What do you guys think about Lonzo Ball? Is there good reasoning that I have to say, hold up, let's pump the brakes a bit, or should we hype this man up like he's the greatest thing since LeBron James? Let me know. That's 646-564-9820, 646-564-9820. Now we are going to discuss some more NBA news. There have been more NBA free agency acquisitions from certain teams. One of them being Contavious Caldwell-Pulp to the Los Angeles Lakers. KCP went to the Lakers on an $18 million deal. It is a one-year deal. This one-year deal will give KCP the starting shooting guard role, and it will help the Lakers avoid being a lottery team. They have remained a competitive team. They have this one-year deal, and Brooke expiring next year, Book Lopez, who they acquired from the, from the uh, Brooklyn Nets. For D'Angelo Russell, they will have only $41 million on the books next year, which gives them $60 million-plus in cap space. Their starting five this year will be Lonzo Ball, Contavious Caldwell-Pulp, Brandon Ingram, Julius Randle, and Brooke Lopez. Not too bad. Again, not a playoff team, but not a lottery team either. And, of course, that's kind of like a gray spot where it's like you can't be too good or you can't be too bad because those are the, that's the worst place that you can possibly be. Good enough to be that bad, to not be that bad. And bad enough to not be that good. So, at least it will not be a lottery team next year. Like I mentioned before, I believe Lonzo Ball will be able to um, attract free agents to join him and his team. And I like this deal a lot. You add KCP to this team, and it's going to be an exciting and fun Laker team to watch. Lonzo Ball passing the ball around to everyone. And... I'm definitely excited and looking forward to that. So that was another deal that the Lakers made, adding Contavious caldwell pope Now we're starting – I'm sorry, caldwell pope Now we are starting to get into, like, the third tier of guys left. The top tier is all gone. The second tier, uh, lower end of the second tier, probably beginning of the third tier. Just guys who probably come off the bench or will help you out here and there. That's where we're starting to get to now as the NBA free agency period began exactly two weeks ago on July 1st. So we won't be expecting huge news unless there's trades or things to talk about in that regard. But I thought that KCP was a pretty good signing for the Lakers and something worth discussing. Additionally, uh, Damari Carroll from the Toronto Raptors has been traded to the Brooklyn Nets The Brooklyn Nets continue to be active. They continue to make noise. Now, you may think, hold up, Carroll is not that good. He's always hurt. And you're right. He is always hurt. And quite frankly, no, he's not that good, and he's not worth his contract. But the biggest takeaway from this is the fact that the Nets were able to get two draft picks from the Raptors: next year's first-round lottery-protected draft pick, as well as their second-round pick, to go with Demari Carroll. Now, why is this so important? Because the lake—I mean, sorry—the Nets did not have a first-round pick next year. The reason being is because they traded to the Boston Celtics four years ago in the Jason Terry, Kevin Garnett, and Paul Pierce trade, which many Nets fans regret to this day. However, they are remaining positive, not trying to uh, dwell in that, and making certain steps to correct themselves, and I like it. They've taken on the contract of Team FA Mozgov as well, but they also got back a young guard in D'Angelo Russell. They've taken on the contract of Damari Carroll, but they've also gotten two draft picks. So, yes, they have absorbed these big deals that are pretty bad. Damari Carroll is being paid $30 million over the next two years, and by the way, the Toronto Raptors will be receiving will be receiving Justin Justin Hamilton in return. Damari Carroll must remain healthy. His health has been the biggest concern for him for a long time. He did start in 72 games last year for the Raptors, which is not bad. He only missed 10 games. However, he averaged nine points, four rebounds, and one assist. Obviously, that Raptors team was more stacked than, than this Nets team now. So Damari Carroll can slot can uh, slot right into the starting small forward role. He'll also be able to mentor Paris Lavert And also Kenny Atkinson, who is now the coach of the Brooklyn Nets, was also an assistant coach on the Hawks team when Damari Carroll was actually pretty good and played for the Hawks. So he'll be able to fit in there. He may not be a guy that his stats will jump off of the sheet, but he's definitely a nice glue guy that you can add to mentor a young team and to be able to help them to grow, and the most important thing is the fact that the Nets once again were able to get back into the first round after trading their draft pick away to the Boston Celtics. Now they have a nice little starting five of D'Angelo Russell, Sean Kilpatrick, or Jeremy Lin, whichever way they decide to go at at this point. I think Lynn might play the one, D'Angelo might play the two. I'm not too sure what they plan to do. as well as Damari Carroll, he'll be playing the three, Trevor Booker will be playing the four, and they'll have Timof team, team Mozgov at the five, Isaiah Whitehead, Lavert, and Hollis Jefferson coming off the bench. Again, not a playoff team, even in the East you know, I'm sorry, even in a weak Eastern Conference, but definitely making strides as a Celtics fan, it is very concerning being the fact that we own both the Lakers pick next year, either two to five, and the Brooklyn Nets pick next year, unprotected. So as these teams get better, the value of that pick may go down. Again, we don't know what these teams will actually be. Guys can always get hurt. They may not pan out, but we'll truly just have to wait and see. Now, if they would have went out and got a guy like um, – Paul George, Jimmy Butler, things like that. Of course, that changes everything. But they've improved from where they were last year, but at the same time, not enough to where um, they may still not be a lottery team next year. So that's on the Nets. Those are some moves that they've made that will help them as well. Another free agency addition that was a big name that was still left that I was actually shocked about was Jonathan Simmons. I wanted the Celtics to get him, but I thought the price would be kind of too high for him. He played for the San Antonio Spurs last year. Um, He, again, not a guy that his stats really jumped off the page. Six points per game, 42% from the field. He's a defensive guy, defensive big. And on the defensive end, he had a 2.1 defensive win shares as well as a point nine in the defensive plus or minus box. So this is a team. This is a team that they will be able to grow defensively. They were a 29 win team last year. He's only 27 years old. He'll be able to expand his game with this magic team. The craziest part about this deal, which really blew my mind, his agent needs to be fired. Jonathan, Smith's a- Jonathan Simmons' agent needs to be absolutely fired. They signed him to a three-year $20 million deal. And, of course, when I see deals like this, I'm like, oh, man, why couldn't the C's get up on this? But the reality of the situation is we didn't have enough cap space and things of that sort, so it's fine. But the fact that he only got three years and $20 million, I thought that that was very odd. He's 27, so by the end of this deal, he'll be 30 he won't really get a big contract after this, I mean, unless he really, really goes off. But as I mentioned before, um, Magic fans, they haven't been too happy since the Dwight days, Um, but now they're kind of moving in the right direction. It wasn't like a big, splashy move. They wouldn't have been able to make that type of move because of how bad that they played, but they were very patient. They waited for the right move to come around. And Jonathan, he'll be a good player for them. He's a young guy. He'll expand his game. He had a very strong playoff performance for the San Antonio Spurs last year. As I mentioned before, I thought he was going to be a target, a big guy that everybody would go after. But the Magics will take their chance on him. They didn't give up much. Again, three years, $20 million. It was a bargain considering what everybody else expected that he would take. And the fact that the Spurs decided to rescind the qualifying offer was a surprise as well. They basically just gave him up at that point once you rescind that offer that offer, then the player becomes an unrestricted free agent. He played with the Spurs last year, and it may kind of obscure the defensive numbers that he had, even with a small regression to the mean suggests that you know he'll be a plus defender for the magic so one thing he does have to continue to work on, though, is his shooting. The Magic are a poor team when it comes to shooting threes. And this league is a three-point shooting league now. And these guys do not shoot the three well, clearly, clearly. So he won't really help them in that regard, but at least it's a step in the right direction to rebuild. They have Frank Vogel, who is the former Spurs of the Indiana Pacers. He did a lot of good things with the young team there. So I'm kind of hoping the same for this Magic team. They have um Jonathan Isaac, who they just drafted in the two thousand seventeen NBA draft, as well as Aaron Gordon. You add in Biz MacBiombo, and he's supposed to be a rim protector himself. And no doubt this puts the Magic as a defensive team. Isaac is six foot eleven. So that's another thing to add as well. And um It'll be very interesting to see the type of team that they will have. We know that they had Serge Ibaka and Bismack Biambo, that they were trying to build that defensive core. Clearly that didn't work out. They were kind of in the same boat this year as they were last year. And by the season's end, they turned out to be one of the worst defensive teams in the whole league. So they kind of broke it up. They went to play small ball. And now they're trying to continue to build themselves back up to be a good uh, defensive team. They also added Shelvin Mack to, to their team, which wasn't a big, you know, a big thing for them, but at least it was something. They they really have not played well. So the fact that they were able to do that, as well as add Jonathan Simmons for the cheap, I felt was a good deal for the Magic. And um, for my Magic fans, I have family down there. Cousin Tito. Uh, I really hope that they do well because right now it's not looking too good. So those are really the main free agency signings over the past week, which was the last time that I was on the air with you guys. Additionally, some smaller deals. Um, Dwayne Dedman, also from the San Antonio Spurs, agreed to a deal with the Atlanta Hawks. Aaron Baines from the Detroit Pistons agreed to a deal with the Boston Celtics. Now, the Celtics clearly needed a big. Um, they made that trade Avery Bradley from Marcus Morris. And um, we had rebounding deficiencies all through last year. We were one of the worst defensive rebounding teams in the entire league. And uh, it was very, very clear that we needed to add a big. Now, Aaron Baines isn't a splashy guy. It's not a guy that's going to make you go, oh, wow, we can really grab boards now. But it's definitely a guy that can help. Um Morris can rebound the ball as well. So that's another thing to keep in mind, another thing to watch. The Boston Celtics used their $4.3 million full room exception for Aaron Baines. So they were able to sign Aaron Baines and also make room for Gordon Hayward. I don't think that Danny Ainge is done yet. I still think that there is more moves to be made. If you guys don't recall, he traded for Kevin Garnett last year, like July 31st. I'm not saying that we'll get a KG type of guy this year. But don't be surprised if he's not done yet. And knowing Danny Ainge, he said it a few weeks ago, we're not comfortable yet. We've improved, yes. We've made strides, yes. But we're not comfortable yet. So that's another thing to watch out for, what may be happening in Boston as well. Additionally, Rajon Rondo has now played for his fifth team in the past four years. He signed a one-year deal with the New Orleans Pelicans. Rondo, I mean, I I really don't know what to say about him. When he was with us, he was so young, and the guys kind of like slapped him up in place. They put him where he had to be at that point with KG and Paul Pierce and Ray. So it was only towards the end of his stint with us that he began to kind of act out. He's a phenomenal player. Rajon Rondo is one of the best point guards We will see. Yes, I said it. Everybody has seen him play. But for whatever reason, over the past few years, I don't know if it has to do with what's going on in-house. I'm not sure it's his style of play or how he plays. Up until a few years ago, he was averaging eight assists per game, nine assists per game. He's kind of turned into more of a backup role. He hasn't really played that much. And there's been talks about how much of a locker room guy that he is. Now, he can be a cancer to the rest of the guys on the team. Again, I don't know how much truth there is to that. I'm not there with them. Being on your fifth team in four years says a lot. That says a lot. So let's see what he does now. Um, They have a good team. They have Holiday, who they re-signed. They overpaid him, if you ask me. They have Anthony Davis as well. So definitely something to look forward to. I saw um, something interesting last week, which doesn't mean much, but when you go online, you see a a bunch of things that are relevant to nothing, but it just makes you think. So Rondo was on the Bulls, and Jimmy Butler got traded. Um, So they're thinking maybe Rondo to the Pelicans. There was actually a third part to this. Let me see if I find it. I don't want to say, to say it wrong Oh yes, Rondo to the Kings DeMarcus Cousins Traded Rondo to the Bulls Jimmy Butler Traded Rondo to the Pelicans Anthony Davis Nah, I don't think so But it was pretty funny just to read that You know, people always coming up with irrelevant stuff That mean a whole lot of nothing And try to turn it into something These are three separate teams So I don't think that that has any relevance whatsoever, but it was pretty funny. It gave me a nice little laugh, so I just wanted to share that with you guys. But that's the Rondo situation. He'll be playing with the Pelicans next year. C.J. Miles has signed with the Raptors. By them signing and – I'm sorry, by them trading away DeMari Carroll, it opened up cap space for them as well as a starting spot in the rotation. C.J. Miles is a good addition for them. The Raptors will once again be a top team in the East next year. The East is obviously weak. The Raptors will be a top three or four team for sure. Additionally, Jamal Crawford signed a deal with the Timberwolves, and the Timberwolves continue to just load up. They are getting everybody. Their main acquisition, of course, was Jimmy Butler. They already have Carl Anthony Towns, Andrew Wiggins as well, Jamal Crawford off of the bench. I mean, this is going to be a team to watch. A young core. You always have to have a mix of young guys and vets. In any sport, baseball, basketball, football, every winning team has a nice mixture of young, talented guys and solid veteran guys. It's a hard mixture to find. Some teams like to go all young, and some teams just like to – sign a bunch of old hags. It doesn't work that way. You have to have a nice mix. And this is a team that has a great coach. They will be coached very well. They will be disciplined extremely well. And I believe that they will be a top five or six team in the West next year. And I know that's not a lot per se, but in the West where it's so stacked, that's saying a lot. So be on the lookout for the Timberwolves next year. Um, So those were the deals that were agreed upon last week in the NBA free agency period as we continue to roll on towards the regular season, which is in October. It was also announced that the NBA regular season will begin 10 days earlier than last year. So that tells me that the preseason will be cut probably in half, drop a few games, and that there will be more, um, rest days between game days, so there was a lot of complaints about back-to-back days and traveling and all that stuff, which makes sense, but now it's going to be more so um, about rest and trying to get these guys rested up, which I think they're also trying to do to combat teams just taking weeks off. LeBron James has been known over the past few years to just take a week off, you know, just for rest. Midway through the year, and um I'm not sure why. I know you want to rest, but listen, you got games to win. So I think the NBA is trying to consider that as well. There are a lot of fans from other states that come out to watch the main guys play. If I'm living in um, Utah, I want to see LeBron James play. When the Jazz play the Cavs and the Cavs come into town, I want to see LeBron James play. It shouldn't just be an automatic, oh, let me just take this night off. No, that's, that's not fair. That's not fair. I think that they're trying to take that into consideration. They're trying to give the players more rest days and give them less of a reason to take off days during the regular season. So that'll be interesting to watch for as well. Some more NBA talk. James Harden reached an extension with the Houston Rockets. He said, I am here to stay. James Harden is going absolutely nowhere. And he signed a ridiculous, ridiculous deal with Houston. So, you guys want to know what that deal is? That deal with Houston, by the way, he already signed a four year, $118 million extension with the Rockets last summer. He became eligible for the designated player veteran extension due to the fact that he made the All NBA team. But now, Harden will earn $228 million. His extension was worth $170 million. So you add in the extension from this year as well as what he signed last year. You subtract what he already made this year, this past season. And he'll be making $228 million that will last him to the end of his contract, which is 2023, six years from now. So $220 million, I'm sorry, $228 million. And you divide that over six seasons, James Hart is making $38 million a year. Smart guy, though. Smart guy. Houston doesn't have the same income tax. Um, so that definitely played a role in it as well. And he's the type of guy that he's loyal to his team. He wants to stay there, he wants to continue to grow. They obviously got Chris Paul. They're trying to make a trade for Carmelo Anthony. And um, it's nice. It's nice to see that. It's nice to see him saying, you know what? I'm in a good environment now. Yes, I will sign away for six years, $228 million. I would do the same thing. You can't fault him for that. So that was very Interesting. We went off the rails last week about Steph and his five-year, $204 million deal. I know he's not getting paid 40 mil. James Harden is not get paid 40 mil, but 38 mil is pretty close. So, again, this is the trend in the NBA now. The more money the teams make, the more the salary cap continues to increase, the more these players will get paid. It's bound to be – it's bound to happen. It is what it is. We just have to accept it. This is it. So – That was the situation on James Harden. There are also a lot of Carmelo Anthony trade rumors, as I mentioned before. One of them being to be traded to the Houston Rockets. I mean, they're going for it all. They're doing all they possibly can to try to to win, to beat the Warriors and get this chip. I don't know how successful they'll be. I heard that there was like a 14 deal, and then apparently they were on the two-yard line, but apparently they weren't. I don't really like to listen to these reports unless it comes from a very reliable source like Woj. He always has good sources and whatever he says comes true. It didn't come from Woj. So I wasn't trying to hear that, but it'd be very, very difficult due to a number of reasons. Number one is Carmelo Anthony's contract. Number two is that he has a trade kicker in his contract. Yes, he can waive it, but would you waive it? I don't know. We'll see. Additionally, Um, Salaries have to be matched Which is the reason why you have to have multiple teams involved The complexity of a multi-team trade Is already very complex in itself So there's many different moving pieces and moving parts And a lot of different factors to take into consideration When thinking about a Carmelo-Anthony trade In my opinion, it won't happen I know everybody wants to see it Carmelo go to Houston And then somehow you create a banana boat team Again, James Harden just signed A $228 million extension $38 million a year, and you want to create a banana bowl team? No. And these guys won't be taking less. I'm sorry. KD did it, but KD's a nice guy. KD did it. He won his chip. He wants to win another one. So he'll take less. When Steph got paid $40 million a year, LeBron James sent out a tweet saying he should have been getting paid five. And what do you think LeBron James will be expecting? Who's better than all of them? So banana bowl team, It's not happening. I also believe that Carmelo Anthony to the Houston Rockets also will not be happening. Too many moving pieces. And even if it does happen, Houston will be gutting their team. They really would. They really would. And let's not forget the fact, too. Simple math, four is bigger than three. KD, Steph, Clay, Dre, Harden, Chris Paul, Carmelo, First of all, those are all. Even saying that, those are three guys who demand the ball in their hands so much. It's it's very difficult for you to even fathom them being being successful playing on the same team. But we'll see what happens. I know that the Knicks are trying to get them off of their hands. It's kind of hard to do now, but they're trying. At least. Speaking of the Knicks, they finally have a GM, Scott Perry who was previously the GM of the Sacramento Kings. He was able to trans to tran not transform, but he was able to, um, use the draft picks that the Kings required in the DeMarcus cousins trade to get some good guys, namely De'Aaron Fox, um, Harry Giles as well. They got some good guys in this year's draft. Additionally, They signed Zach Randolph, Vince Carter, George Hill. Nice group of young guys. I mean, I'm sorry, nice group of vets. Again, that mixture of young guys and vets. They're not going to be immediate contender, but it's a start. It's a step in the right direction. So Scott Perry is going to be now the GM of the Knicks. It was also announced that Steve Mills. Steve Mills will remain the president of basketball operations. I never understood what the difference was. But I know that the president of basketball operations has more say than the GM. So it'd be very interesting to see Steve Mills has been around this team for a long time. The Knicks are obviously trying to find their identity as well, trying to see what works and what doesn't work. Um, They had a little bit of a a bump in the road due to the whole Phil Jackson situation. But let's see. I mean, there's not really much that we can say now because we don't know. We don't know what this guy can possibly do, but hopefully it's to transform this roster somehow, some way, get something back. Melo can be gone. They can gain something back from it, whatever it is. But my thing with the Knicks has always been, if you want to tear it down, tear it down. Don't try to tear it down and, you know, still win games and all that. Because when you sign Derek Rose, I'm sorry, when you traded for D Rose, when you signed Courtney Lee, Courtney Lee, when you signed Joe Noah, your goal was to win. You thought you had a contender, and it didn't work out. Let's call it what it is. It did not work out. And I know that for Knicks fans, for anybody in New York, it's hard as fans of New York teams to just be okay and accepting to hit the reset button. I know Phil hit it a few times, but you got to hit it once more. Let these guys do their job, see what they can do. Patience in New York do not go in the same sentence. I get it. I understand. But with this Knicks team, you have to. Or else they'll continue to be a bad team for a long time. So, better to get it out the way now. Be bad. Go ahead, tank. Lose games. At least you gain something back. You have, a, you have the potential to get a top draft pick who can change around your franchise. It may not be like the draft class of this year, but the top three picks, normally, they're pretty good. Do that. We'll see what happens with the Knicks. That was all that was on our agenda for NBA Talk. We want to remind you guys listening in at home once again, To give us a call, the number to call in is 646-564-9820. That's 646-564-9820. The phone lines are open. Feel free to call in. We were just talking about the NBA, and now we are going to talk about baseball. The All-Star break was last week. Aaron Judge did his thing. He won the Home Run Derby. The American League also beat the National League in the All-Star game, which has now turned into an exhibition game, which is pretty neat, which we discussed last week. But now we've turned the page. We've moved on to the second half of the season. Teams have not been shy. The trade deadline isn't here yet, but they've already been making moves. One of the biggest moves was Jose Quintana, who was formerly on the Chicago White Sox, has been traded to the Chicago Cubs. Now, why is this such a big deal? Because Jose Quintana has been on the trade market for at least the past three seasons. He has a very, very good team-friendly contract, and he is under control for three more years. Of course, the price tag is hefty. The Cubs had to give up their number 8 and the number the number 8 and the number 63 overall from the top 100 prospects in all of baseball. They had to give those up. Now, Jose Quintana is a consistent player. He's also a lefty. I personally don't think that he's that good. I don't think he's worth giving up your top prospect for. Imagine Gleyber Torres would have had to been given up for Jose Quintana. Brian Cashman would have been ran out of town. That's not happening. But the Cubs are in a much better position than the Yankees are in now. They're defending champions from last year. They've struggled at the beginning of this year, and they're at the point where they got to kind of step it up a little bit. So if it means giving up some of that youth to get a guy that can really help them now, that's the type of deal that they can make. But not every team is the same. However, the Chicago Cubs, just want to point out, they have had such a great farm system for the past few years. Javi Baez, um, Rizzo, Bryant, Contreras, Schwarber, they could create a whole starting nine off of their, their farm. So that's why they've been able to trade guys away here and there. Castro as well, who's with the Yankees now. He came up in their farm. Um, So they've done an excellent, excellent job. And eventually you have to trade those assets for solidified major league players. The Celtics are in the same situation now. You can have all the draft picks you want, but eventually you have to flip it for something. And the Cubs have done an extremely, extremely nice job at making trades here and there to bolster their team while keeping their core of youth intact to be successful. Definitely a uh, pattern that every team is looking to follow. So we'll see what the Cubs can do now. Once again, they didn't start off too well, but they're starting to pick things back up. And this is an addition that can be extremely well, that can be extremely good for this team, and that will help them play extremely well. Additionally, the Washington Nationals and the Oakland Athletics made a trade. The Nationals acquired Ryan Madsen and Sean Doolittle from the Oakland Athletics. Now, the Nationals have been plagued all season with an ineffective bullpen. They have not had a guy who can come in and close games. They've gone through closer after closer after closer after closer. And this is a team that is really, really good. This is a team that can score a lot of runs. And this is a team that can pitch, pitch extremely well. Scherzer, Gonzalez, Strasburg, Roark, Zimmerman, Murphy, Harper, Rendon. This is an extremely good team. A lot of guys at the beginning of the season predicted that the Nationals will be facing, will be facing the Houston Astros in the World Series this year. kind of hard to see that now. I mean, the Astros, they're doing their thing. But if the Nationals aren't able to close out games, they wouldn't be able to go there. But now they've got the bullpen help that they need. These are two guys who have closed games before and who have been effective. So it'll be very interesting to watch like the Cubs how they can improve and move on from here. But I like the additions by both ball clubs, and I'm excited to see what they bring. Now, in regards to the Yankees, also my team. Michael Pineda, partially torn UCL, set to have Tommy John surgery. His season is done. I know they're saying he was going to go find a a doctor for uh, i forgot what they call it. Basically, to make sure. He's done. Michael Pineda is done. And this is a walk year for him. This is a contract year. And he's always been very inconsistent. But he was pretty good this year for the most part. Not always, but you know, I kind of feel bad for him because this is a year that they, everybody looks up to. Your walk year, your contract year. This is your big payday. And he tore his UCL. He's done until next year. Sad. But it poses problems for the Yankees. But in my opinion, not pressing Problems. The reason why the problems aren't pressing is because the Yankees have made all these trades for young guys for a reason. They have a guy in the minors by the name of Chance Adams. Chance Adams is a very, very good ball player, and he's a great prospect for us. How? Let me read you these stats. Again, take this how you want it. Take it with a grain of salt. This is double-A, AA, triple-A ball. But in 2017, between double-A, which he began the year in, coming out of spring training, going into triple-A, which he was brought up to, I believe in May, there was nothing else for him to prove at double-A. They said, you know what? It's time for you to move up. He's 10-3 and with a 1.94 ERA. He started in 18 games, 97 innings pitched only 58 hits in 98 innings pitched 24 runs 21 earned runs 41 walks to 99 strikeouts 41 walks in 97 innings pitched and 99 strikeouts in 97 innings pitched that's over a strikeout per inning again triple A ball he also had a 1 point Zero one one whip, and Brian Cashman stated that Chance Adams will get a chance, no pun intended, to take Michael Pineda's spot. However, there are two guys who will get first tips. That is Brian Mitchell, who is pitching tonight against the Yankees, I'm sorry, against the Minnesota Twins, as well as Luis Sessa. Now, the Yankees right now, they're losing 2-1 in the top of the sixth, Brian Mitchell, as I mentioned before, he is pitching. Brian Mitchell is on the mound, and the Yankees will take a chance with him to see what he can do, if he can possibly fill that role. Now, his stats for the day so far, again, we're only in the sixth. He's pitched five innings, given up six hits, two runs, one earned, two walks, and two strikeouts. Decent. Decent. You can't complain about that. But it's about that time. Chance Adams needs to be called up. Mitchell has been around for a while. Sessa has been around for a while as well. Give the Yankees some new life. I've loved it every time they call up somebody new. From Sanchez to Judge last year to Frazier this year. Torres was supposed to be called up this year until he, um, he hurt his elbow. They also made a trade for the guy over the weekend from the Milwaukee Bugs I'm sorry, Milwaukee Bucks, <laughs> the Milwaukee Brewers minor league system by the name of Garrett Cooper. He's a six foot six, 235-pound um, first baseman, 18 home runs, 82 RBIs in the minor leagues. Of course, take that with a grain of salt, especially considering that he played in the Pacific Coast League, which is a league notorious to inflated offensive stats. He played over the weekend. He got one hit. He didn't do too, too well. But of course it takes a lot of guys times to uh, takes these guys a lot of times to adjust. So let's keep that into consideration as well. But when he was called up, I was excited as well. When G Man Choi was called up, I was excited about that as well. Every time a young guy's called up, Miguel and Duhar, excited. This is what we've worked for. Yankee fans have been waiting. Cause for a long time the Yankees would just trade everybody away, trade away all the prospects. But they've learned. They've stopped doing that, and it's exciting. It's going to be like the 90s all over again, and the Yankees will go back to being a dominant team in the major leagues. Call up Chance Adams, Brian Cashman. Call him up. Mitchell will have his chance. Cecil will have his chance. But I want Chance Adams. That's the chance that I want. And I believe if Chance Adams comes up, is called up, and plays for this team, that he will be successful. Now, I want to go over the Yankees versus Red Sox series, which is a big series coming out of the All-Star break because the Yankees were three and a half games behind the Red Sox going into Friday night's matchup. Now, I watched the game Friday night. The Yankees had a 4-3 lead going into the bottom of the ninth inning. And we call in our closer, Aldous Chapman, the guy who we signed to a $15 million deal last year, a multi-million dollar deal. He's had problems this year. He was on the DL earlier in the season, and he's had problems with his command. But I was sure, fresh off of the All-Star break, oh, man, we're going to get this win. Or Aldis Chapman blew the save. Not only did he blew the save, but the Red Sox did not hit a ball out the infield. Those are games we cannot lose. The Red Sox are a team that is in front of us. To go out there and send a statement from night one on Friday night, you're sending out your best closer, 100 miles per hour, fastball, blowing by, blowing by guys, and you blow the save because you have no command. He walked everybody. It was a bunch of infield nonsense that was taking place. We had a one-run lead and we lost. Terrible, terrible, terrible loss. So now we were four and a half games back. I was disgusted. Now on Saturday, it was Chris Sale against Luis Severino. For the 13th time this season, Chris Sale struck out 10 or more guys. Chris Sale is absolutely amazing. He started the All-Star game. He's up for Cy Young Award this year. As he is, it seems, almost every year. Chris Sale is amazing. Luis Severino is very good as well. He's young, but he's going to be a good guy in this league for a long time. He went up against Chris Sale, and he didn't put his head down. He didn't put his gloves down. He gave up one run. Any other team we would have played, the Yankees would have won that game. But because we are going up against Chris Sale... We lost. Even us going up against Chris Hill. I'm sorry. Actually, Saturday we won. Yes, I'm sorry. Did we win on Saturday? Yes, we did win on Saturday. Saturday we won in a 16-inning game. We were down one zip. Going into the ninth inning against the Red Sox closer Craig Kimbrel, and Craig Kimbrel blew the save. Matt Holliday smacked the home run out of Fenway Park, Park onto Lansdowne Street in left field, tied the game up at one. The Yankees won in 16 innings. The game was played under protest as a controversial call was made in the 11th. Jacoby Ellsbury was batting with Matt Holliday at first base. Jacoby Ellsbury. Hit a one hopper to first base. Holiday retreated to first base under the impression that Jacoby Ellsbury, who was a fast runner, would tag that um, the first baseman would touch the base first, first base first, and throw down to second base. As a result, Holiday didn't want to get caught in the rundown, so he just decided to retreat back to first base. When the throw from second base was thrown to first base, it hit Jacoby Ellsbury. And the Red Sox complained and stated that the first baseman couldn't make the play due to interference. It was a nine-minute review that took place between all the umpires on the field, as well as the review team in New York. And they kept the call on the field. It wasn't interference. It was a judgment call. And the Red Sox decided to play the game on the protest. Now, when you protest the game, um, you're basically saying that the umpires didn't follow the game rules and it had an effect on the outcome of the game. MLB will not uphold this protest because the Yankees didn't score in the eleven, so it did not have any impact on the game whatsoever. The Yankees eventually won in the sixteenth and they pulled their um they pulled into three and a half games behind the Red Sox at that point. Now Sunday they played a doubleheader at Fenway Park. One game was at one o'clock PM and then the second game was um At 8 o'clock p.m. The Yankees won the 1 o'clock game, 3-0. They lost the 8 o'clock game, 3-0. So they split the series, which it would have been nice if we went up 3-1, if we actually won, but they split. So we just got to move on now. We have a a tough stretch ahead of us. Um, Three against Minnesota, which they're playing in tonight, as well as four against Seattle but I just wanted to touch on a few things. Um, some few takeaways from the Yankees versus Red Sox series, both Masahiro Tanaka and CC Sabathia were very strong for us. And that's what we need. If we want to improve, if we want to get better. Those two guys have to be on point. It was also announced that Tyler Clippard was removed from the seventh inning role. Finally, us Yankee fans have been begging for them to, for Joe Girardi to take him out of that role. We've lost so many games single-handedly because of him. Girardi finally realized and took him out of the seventh-inning role. So Chad Green, as well as Adam Warren, will now be getting um, that seventh-inning role in those kind of high-leverage situations based upon matchups and things of the sort. Chapman blew a save. Um, As I mentioned before, he was inconsistent. But on Saturday, he pitched well. And on Sunday, he also pitched well. So um, it looks like Chapman is back on track. But is also back on track. He was very shaky before the all-star break. But I believe he's back on track as well. Starling Castro returned from the DL. Matt Holiday also returned from the DL. He hit the homer off of Craig Kimbrell in the sixteenth sixteen inning game. Ronald Torres was also... Not the sole reason why we lost Friday night, but he did commit two errors, which one scored on one in the ninth um, that also had a big effect on us. Also, an incredible, incredible play by Jackie Bradley Jr. robbing Aaron Judge from a home run. Aaron Judge hit a home run ball into the triangle out in the center field at Fenway Park when Jackie Bradley Jr. came, and he snagged it. Timed it perfectly, knew where he was at, made the play, and that was an incredible play. Additionally, there's a question mark next to Clint Frazier's name. I didn't know what the Yankees would do from now on tonight. They put him in the number two hole, which which I'm really excited about. I like this guy a lot. So far, he's one for three um, in tonight's game. They need to play Clint Frazier every single day. He brings so much to this team, another young guy, and I'm excited to watch him play. And I know that Gardner is there, and Ellsbury is there, and Judge is there. But you need to rotate, give those guys a day off, let them beat DH, and find a way to have Clint Frazier's bat in the lineup. He needs it. He's going to be an incredible player for us, and the Yankees need to make sure that they continue to give him consistent at-bats. As a young player, they need to give him the A-Bs that he needs to be successful. So I'm excited about Clint Frazier as well. So a lot of good things to take away from the Yankees versus the Red Sox series. The Yankees just have to continue to build upon this. They have a tough stretch ahead of them, and we have to continue to build. Now, in terms of trades, there have been rumors out there that they are interested in Todd Frazier as well as David Robertson from the Chicago White Sox. The Chicago White Sox look to be selling once again as they made a trade for, um, they traded away Chris Sale last year. They're not really a good team, so they're trying to get back as much of the hall as they possibly can. Todd Frazier is a rental. Uh, he's also 31 years old. He's batting 209 on the season. But he does have 18 home runs. And the Yankees have had no production from first base. He would make the move to go to first base. I would take Todd Frazier over G-Man Choi. I would take Todd Frazier over Garrett Cooper. Um, Robertson as well will be able to solidify the bullpen. Perhaps he can be the guy that you call to in the seventh. You could have Robertson, Batantis, and Chapman. I mean, who says no to that? The only question is, what do the Yankees have to give up? Granted, Frazier's a rental. Granted, Robertson is getting paid $15 million next year. They paid $15 million already to their closer now, which is Araldis Chapman. So, in order for the deal to even take place, the White Sox would have to agree to pay a portion of the contract. And I just don't know what the market is like. I don't know what they would ask for. But like the Celtics, being the fact that the Yankees have such a treasure trove of prospects, I'm sure that the asking price will be extremely, extremely high. Like if I want to buy a pair of shoes, and my pair of shoes, the retail price is 100 bucks. But let's say I'm a guy like LeBron James, a millionaire. I'm going to walk in and say, oh, for you, 5 why would I pay $500 for a pair of shoes that's only worth 100 These, This is what these teams are doing. They know it's very, very out there what is in the pockets of these teams. And as a result, they're going to try to get the most bang for their buck, as they should. But I believe that the Yankees should be cautious buyers. Don't stand pat because you have a chance to still win the American League East this year. These next three games as well as the, nor- the next four games in Seattle will determine whether we're going to stand pat or whether we are going to be cautious buyers. We won't be able to sell. I, I-, I don't think that we'll be sellers because we don't have really much to sell. But the Yankees should be cautious buyers at this point in time. A few other guys that they can look into to help with them with the rotation is Sonny Gray from the Oakland Athletics. He's always been linked to the Yankees for a long time as well as you Darvish from the Texas Rangers. I think that that would be a good fit for us. However, we do have a list of untouchable guys. That is Miguel Andujar. That is Justice Sheffield, Chance Adams, Glaber Torres, and Clint Frazier. If we can get those guys, Darvish, Gray, Robertson, Frazier, and that has to give up any of our untouchable guys, yeah, let's do it. I'm willing to give up a guy like Tyler Austin, Jorge Mateo, Blake Rutherford, James Kaplan, Tyler Wade. I'm willing to give up those guys because... Their value, in my eyes, is not as valuable as my untouchables. So let's see what Cashman can do. Let's see if he can make that run. It'll be very interesting to see. But the Yankees should definitely be cautious. Let's not jump out the window and, you know, give up a very top prospect for a rental or 31-year-old and Frazier. Let's let's be smart. The Yankees have been going in the right direction. They're letting the young guys play. They're having a nice mixture of veteran And youth guys and free agency is going to be coming up soon when they'll really be spending. In 2019, if you guys don't know yet, the Yankees will be spending. There's a reason why they have not spent over the past few years. They've signed veteran guys to two-year deals, three-year deals, and that's it. They've been loading up for this 2019 free agency class with Bryce Harper, Manny Machado, uh, Kershaw, and all those guys. So, I'm excited. I'm not going to um, jump out the window just yet in terms of saying, oh, we need to make a trade. We need this. We, no, we don't need anything. We don't. The Yankees have overachieved for much of the season. Coming into this year, there's not one Yankee fan who would have expected us to be 15 games over 500 at one point during the season. Let's be real. No one was expecting that. So the fact that we have overachieved, let it continue to grow. Build upon it. But don't give up the house. Don't give up the youth. Don't give up the future. For temporary options, please, Brian Cashman, please. So that's Yankee Talk. I also wanted to briefly discuss the um, Floyd Mayweather versus the Conor McGregor fight, which will be taking place on August 26th. The Saturday on Showtime, they've been on a world tour going to London, Toronto, Los Angeles, and New York, promoting the fight. It's been very entertaining, Wally, entertaining, to say the least. Um, There's been clips coming out every single day from this fight. I mean, sorry, from the press conferences in regards to this fight. They've done a very good job at promoting it, advertising it. And let's be real, this is going to be very, very entertaining won't be the greatest boxing fight you've ever seen in your life, but it'll be entertaining because these are two entertainers. Regardless, they're both getting paid. And let's not look for the fight that will be, you know, an actual boxing match. It'll be hype, it'll be just hype. Now, MMA fans and casual spectators will probably have you believe that this fight. Not only will be competitive, but that the 29-year-old McGregor will actually win. They will say, okay, well, McGregor has a longer reach. He has the use. He has an unorthodox style that Mayweather has never seen. He will give Mayweather problems, his size, his power. He has everything. He can stop money, May. Oh, Floyd is too old. He's 40. Forget the fact that he's a champ. He's not the same fighter. He hasn't fought in two years. Father time will play a major role in all of this. All that looks good. Sounds even better. But conventional, conventional boxing with, wisdom says that this fight will not even be close. Now, let me explain to you why. Number one, stamina. A standard boxing match is 12 three-minute rounds. That's 36 minutes of boxing. McGregor has not fought for a total of 36 minutes his entire career combined. In boxing, the output of punches is way different than what you put in in UFC. And of course, you need more stamina. You may need more in MMA because wrestling is involved. People can make that argument. But I will make you the argument that fighting for 36 minutes, that's if it goes 12 rounds, of course, it will take a toll on any athlete who has never done it before. It's something that your body's not used to. And if you're not used to it, there's no way that you can be successful at it. Especially going up against the greatest fighter, the undefeated champ. Which brings me to my next point. Experience. Experience will probably play the biggest factor in this entire fight, which people tend to overlook. Floyd Mayweather, he's been undefeated. And he's been a pro in boxing for the last 20 years. If you can make the argument that someone with zero pro level or amateur boxing experience will be competitive against the undefeated eight-time world champion in five different weight classes, quite frankly, I, I, I just don't know what to tell you. I'm truly at a loss of words as to what argument you can possibly make. Floyd has been the man for so long. And you can say about his fighting style, you can say that he runs around, you can say he's defensive, but he's a winner. He's a champion. All he's done is win. Eight times, world champion. But the most impressive thing is the fact that he's done it in five different weight classes. That says a lot. The movement and speed as well is something also to consider. And people don't realize this. Stop saying Mayweather has never fought someone like Connor. Um, Connor has also never fought someone like Mayweather. It can go both ways. So let's not only be on one side of the fence without actually seeing what's on the opposite side. There's a flat footed stance in MMA when you're striking, zero defense. Let's think about that as well. Floyd has movement. His hand speed is second to none. Within the first three rounds, we will all be able to see that. And it will actually get worse as the fight goes on. Let's also remember that the fight will be had with 10-ounce gloves. The UFC uses 4-ounce gloves. Connor's power, quote-unquote, is mainly because of the use of the 4-ounce gloves. But this is different. This fight will be had under boxing regulations. They will be using 10-ounce gloves. Imagine the best water polo player in the world challenging Michael Phelps to a swimming race. Imagine the winner of the New York City Marathon last year who finished in the fastest time from Kenya will challenge Usain Bolt to a sprint. It doesn't work. It doesn't work. You may have a specialty, but that doesn't mean that you'll be good at another specialty in the same field. A heart doctor would not be good at fixing your teeth. If the fight doesn't go the distance, honestly, Conor will be probably gassed in the seventh round. And he'll get beat pretty bad. So let's call it what it is. This is strictly entertainment. Conor has no chance. Conor McGregor has absolutely no chance. For all the reasons outlined, Conor has absolutely no chance. And I understand he's been the talk of the town. He's young. He runs his mouth. He's loud. He's proud. People like that. People are attracted to that, which makes sense. But let's pull ourselves out of that world for a second. Because when you're inside, those four ropes, nothing on the outside matters. The mouth you run doesn't matter. How loud and proud you are doesn't matter. Conor's never boxed in his life. He has no experience. Not even at an amateur level. Definitely a lot to think about. Connors losing. Real quick on the NFL, Julian Edelman has labeled the talk of the Patriots going 19-0 and 0 stupid. That's his take on it, straight up. It's stupid. And as a Pats fan, I agree with him. It is extremely, extremely difficult to go undefeated in the season. We learned that the hard way in 2007 when we lost to the New York Giants. Again, as much as it pains me to say that, in the Super Bowl going a big fat 18-1. We don't know what this team will be. Of course, we've made improvements. We've made reinforcements. We've gotten better. And that says a lot because we won the Super Bowl last year. And we also won it without Gronk. But the, um, the Patriots always make the right moves. So I'm excited about this team. I'm confident that we will be successful. But I have learned in the sport of football, never get your hopes high. Don't get too high. Don't get too low. Because things can change in an instant. The moment you get too high, this is in any sport, is the moment you really will set yourself up for disappointment. So, I agree with him. It's stupid. I just want to win a Super Bowl. I don't care if we go 8-8, eight and eight, make the playoffs and win, or we go 18-0 and 0 and win that 19th game and bring number six to Foxborough. I don't care, but I agree with him. The ESPYs also happened last week. One thing I wanted to touch upon real quick, Peyton Manning was the host, and uh, he mentioned about the U.S. gymnastics team, how they were the best, and how he heard that KD told him himself that he wanted to join them next year. (laughs) I thought that that was pretty funny. Uh, KD had the only straight face. He looked pretty upset, but based upon the looks of it, I knew myself, like, this is probably fixed, but... Um, Then he also asked Russ, hey, Russ, how do you feel about that? And he didn't say anything either. So that was pretty funny. The SVs were pretty good. A lot of awards were handed out, a lot of great performances by these athletes. So that'll wrap us up for this week's episode of the Take It or Leave It podcast. Once again, I am your host, J-Rod. I thank you so much and appreciate those of you listening in, as well as those of you who will be downloading the podcast tomorrow. Truly appreciate it. You guys enjoy the rest of your night. Take care.